Ladies and gentlemen, your winner and new NBA belt champion, your Boston Celtics. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. That's right, the NBA belt is back in Boston. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I cover this team. I'm a beat writer. I'm here with the team on the road for however long the government will let me travel and cover this team. Who knows what's going to happen with this coronavirus stuff, but I'm here. I'm giving you inside information. I'm giving you a deep dive into the Boston Celtics. So if you're a new listener, thank you for checking this show out. If you didn't know, this is the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the entire universe, I think. I mean, I don't know what's going on light years away. I assume that, you know, maybe there's a Boston Celtics out there somewhere on another planet, but it's hard to imagine that that podcast is better than this one, and it's ranked number one on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, so thank you all for doing that. The Boston Celtics won the NBA belt, which is my favorite thing. If you haven't been following that on my Twitter, Reds Army underscore John, by the way, for that. The NBA belt, quick kind of recap of what that is. The champions come into every season with the belt. The Toronto Raptors come into the season as NBA champions, but also as the belt holders. And then each individual game, winners and losers, you win the belt. It's just like a title match every night. And the Celtics have held the belt before in the past. I kind of picked this up a couple months into the season, and you just track it. And the Indiana Pacers had the belt coming into this game. The Celtics won, and now they are the belt holders. And as long as they keep winning, they retain the belt. And the next time they lose, the belt goes to that team. And at the end of the regular season, some team gets to hold the belt. I would love to make that a real thing. Just an actual real thing. I think it would be super fun to have a championship belt at center court that goes with the winning team. So that's the recap of the belt, if you haven't heard that before. Celtics have it, and they got it behind a 114-111 win over the Indiana Pacers. So first segment, just talk briefly about the game. Second segment, I'm going to go into that meltdown in the fourth quarter that almost caused another collapse. I mean, they did collapse, but not completely. They managed to come out of it. Um, I would say unscathed, but definitely scathed for sure. Uh, But they won. So I'll talk about that and Brad Stevens' role and all of that in the second segment. Third segment, a lot of talk about Kemba's knee and more in the third segment. So let's start with just the simple game flow. Uh, the Celtics held the lead for most of this game. 
The Pacers scored the first basket. The Celtics took the lead shortly after that and didn't lose it until the fourth quarter. I thought Gordon Hayward was amazing early on, uh, probably through three quarters. He finished the game with 27 points on 10 of 19 shooting, 10 rebounds, five assists, just two turnovers but two steals, and a block shot. I mean, just a, a wonderful game from Gordon Hayward. Uh, Jason Tatum had a huge second quarter where when Hayward was, you know, when they were keying on Hayward and he only played about five and a half minutes, Jason Tatum stepped up and was just ridiculous. 16 of his 30 points in the second quarter, five of seven shooting, three of five from three. I mean, he was just hitting almost everything that he threw up. And then in the in the third quarter, Tatum was uh, the guy who kind of keyed the Celtics offense with steals and getting out in transition. Gordon Hayward came back in the third quarter, was 5 of 10 for 12 points in the third quarter. And it felt like, once again, stop me if you've heard this before, it felt like the Celtics were in control, and they were. With about seven and a half minutes or so, Celtics were up 16. And then the Pacers whipped off a 21-2 run, and in that fourth quarter, Victor Oladipo was blazing hot, uh, four of eight, but when he missed, like his misses came late. So he he got hot. He scored, like I said, twelve points, and and really helped key the the run that got the Pacers the lead. And that in the moment felt like, oh jeez, <laughs> here we go again. Uh, but the Celtics managed to pull that off. And behind some late baskets by Daniel Tice, by Marcus Smart, and some kind of renewed defensive intensity, the Celtics were able to kind of stave off the the Pacers and kind of get back to uh, get back to the making enough plays that they held on. Tice had 20 points, a big night for him: 20 points, six rebounds, three assists couple of blocks. He shot 8 of 12. Uh, perfect 2 of 2 from 3, including that big 3 with a couple minutes left, minute and a half left, whatever it was, to tie the game. And really, once, that was a big turning point. And I'll go over it in the second segment, but Victor Oladipo came down and took a quick 3, missed. Uh, Tice came down, took a 3 on a an alley-oop that Hayward basically passed up. So Hayward after the game was like, yeah, I was kind of sitting there thinking like, maybe I should have shot that. But luckily, Tice made the three. So it all works out in the end. And maybe people somewhere forget that Hayward passed out of an alley-oop. But uh, down three, that was a huge shot. And that really helped turn the tide. Um, Marcus Smart chipped in with 16 points on 6 of 14 shooting. Uh, he generally had an okay night, but I wasn't a big fan of some of the shots that he took in that fourth quarter. Kemba Walker's struggles continue. He uh, only scored 11 points, 3 of 12, 2 of 8 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line. Now, some of those shots, they were just short. A couple were in and out. And so a couple of those shots for sure were just flat-out misses. The rest, 
I'm going to talk about in the third segment a little bit more in depth about Kemba and some of the other things that happened in this game. But, um, you know, Kemba's, Kemba's struggles continue. He played 30, 30 minutes, which was right at the minutes restriction. And, you know, you can tell that he, I mean, he was playing fine, but he, I, I don't know how much he was really, I don't, I don't want to say present, but a couple of times subs were coming in and he started to run out. Like twice it happened where he started to run out and Brad was like, no, you, you get to stay in the game right now. So um, I don't think that he's fully kind of back from the knee, but I don't think it's exactly what you think. I, I, I'm not sure I could be wrong, but uh, I, have, I have my thoughts on what's going on with his knee. Uh, other guys uh, that played, uh, Romeo Langford was kind of like a dud. Shemi Ojali played a, a okay for 21 minutes, didn't score, but he, he played all right. Brad Wanmaker, Ennis Cantor. Uh, I'll get into Ennis Cantor in the second segment. So that's that's kind of the flow of the game. The Celtics came out. Uh, they won the first quarter uh, after kind of a little back and forth. Uh, the second quarter was kind of even. The third quarter, they they started to pull away. And in the fourth quarter, which they lost by 11, that actually built up uh, a 16-point lead. And the whole game, the Celtics were pretty good at responding to runs. The Pacers made a lot. Like that run in the fourth quarter wasn't their only attempt. It wasn't their only run. But the Celtics were able to hold off the Pacers up until that point. So... What happened during that run? I'm going to get into that because I think there was a bunch that the Celtics did wrong, including Brad Stevens, and uh, I think that I, I, I'm not sure exactly how if this is going to happen in, in the in the in the playoffs. So that's we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm a busy guy. I'm sitting here. I'm in Indy. My hotel room, I've been here for, this is my second night here, and it's already a wreck. Like, I'm a mess. And so I don't have a lot of time. I need, if, if I want to read something, Brad Stevens is like big on like self-help books, stuff like that. If I want to read something and kind of see what he's reading and, and maybe get some kind of new perspective or whatever, uh, I need something that's going to kind of help me along. And that's what Blinkist does. It's hard to write, to, to sit down and, and read and learn when you don't really have free time. You can't read or work on your own personal development, but Blinkist is this incredible app that solves this problem. It's really unique. Blinkist works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. It takes the best like key takeaways, the need-to-know stuff from thousands of nonfiction books it condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Like after you listen to this podcast, you can go listen to something on Blinkist for 15 minutes. You know, successful people like Brad Stevens, like business leaders, they're well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you. You want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, during a lunch break, while you exercise. There are 12 million people using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library. Self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles, 
from bestsellers, uh, classic nonfiction titles, uh, anything that you've always meant to read but really never had time to. And now you can go ahead and get Blinkist with an unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want to read for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer. And just for this audience, for Locked On Celtics listeners, you can go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days, no risks for seven days, and then save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. With about seven and a half minutes to go, the Gordon Hayward tip-in made it 102-86. Celtics up 16. They had Hayward, um, Kemba, Cantor, Ojale, and Wanamaker on the floor. And so, Indiana calls a timeout. And, or no, Marcus Smart was on the floor, but whatever. They came out of that timeout with Walker in for Smart. But they kept Cantor and Ojale and Wanamaker on the floor. And Indy comes out with their starters. And I am going to start this. This is the beginning of of a 21 to 2 run that turned this 102 86 game into a 107 104 Pacers lead. And I think part of these collapses, part of the Celtics struggling has to do and this is just one of the things has to do with Brad Stevens kind of leaning on some of these weird lineups a little a little too much, hanging with them a little too long. And it's easy for me to say, sitting here, uh, second-guessing, and he's got an entire season's worth of playing data and he wants to man- manage guys' minutes. And I'm going to sit here and say, with seven and a half minutes to go, considering that a minute later, after it became an 11-point game, the the players, the starters, Tatum, Tice, uh, Smart, all came in. So it was an extra minute 15. Considering that, looking back in hindsight, I saw that timeout that Pacers timeout with seven and a half minutes to go as a missed opportunity, that that's when Tatum and Tice and Smart should have come in because it against, and and they didn't 
the Pacers didn't come in and just like whip off a bunch of things. Like it's not like they they went at um Cantor and attacked him. And it's like, oh God, he sucks. He's got to get off the floor. But the Celtics had to play zone for a couple of possessions there. Uh because Cantor's on the floor and they didn't have a, the, the the personnel that could handle a man-to-man matchup. And I just think that it's not that the Celtics gave up a ton of ground. It's not that any particular thing about this particular lineup was so egregiously bad. But at seven and a half minutes to go, up 16, that's a kill shot moment. That's the put your starters back in end this thing and then pull them out with two minutes to go or a minute and a half to go when you're up 25 and you still get to manage their minutes, but you min- you manage them on the back end. You, you run a calculated risk and say, we're going to say our starters that started the first half and the third in the second half hot, we're going to bank on those guys to come in here and close this thing out. Now, recent history suggests that those starters have been on the floor for a some of the worst that's happened. So there's no guarantee that putting the starters back in uh, does what I'm saying it's going to do. Like, I know for, you know, all intents and purposes here that by putting those starters back in, what it sounds like I'm suggesting is like, oh, you put the starters back in, you go up by 25 and the game is over. I know that that's not a guarantee. However, it's much more likely that when you have Tatum and Hayward and uh, Tice and Kemba and Smart, all of those guys on the floor, that the defense isn't going to be able to do some of the things that they did. And the Celtics have had shown in that game that the starters were very effective. So I think that's a, a, a spot where Brad kind of held on a little too long, tried to steal an extra couple minutes, just a little bit. And I, I do think that he tries to do that from time to time that it's, you know, I could put these guys in and I tell you what, if this was a playoff game, and everything went exactly the same up to that point. If you duplicate everything to the exact thing up to that point, but it's a playoff game, I do think those subs come in. And so I I think in this situation that Stevens is sitting there saying, like, let me just, okay, we're up 16. We should be able to just, just hold them off just a couple more minutes couple more minutes and then we can just kind of you know hey maybe maybe if you can build a lead maybe we can get lucky what if Ojale hits a couple of threes then we don't have to play these guys at all we got a back-to-back coming up Thursday Friday you know so I I can sit here and say like ah, I'm blaming Brad Stevens like yes but also I understand there's bigger picture stuff involved so it's hard to say in that moment. Like, I, I do believe in that moment to win this game, those starters should have gone back in. So, 
but he's got other things that are kind of factors at play. Now, after that, we have a, a series of kind of like bad shots, um, a couple of things that don't go their way. Hayward got called for an offensive foul that was tough. Uh, Smart took a step back three with 12 seconds on the shot clock that really was a little too ambitious. That was a little too going for home runs when you should have been trying to hit singles like that that Brad cliche. When the Pacers are making a run, you go to the basket. You find a way to get to the basket and get a layup. Now, they did that on the next possession. Tatum dunk, uh, but... that was followed by, by that time, Victor Oladipo had started to get hot. And he had a ridiculous drive after that to, to answer the Tatum dunk. Tatum tried this kind of crazy layup attempt, but the shot clock was running down. Then Hayward, who was hot throughout this game, but didn't really do much in the fourth quarter. And another problem there, like I think they might have been trying to look for the hot hand, but the the Pacers were doing a good job defensively trying to limit Hayward there. But he finally got the ball, and he took a, a, a three that was a little tough. And I think maybe he was just like, all right, I was, I've been hot. I can take this shot. And then the lead slowly just erodes. And at 104, at 104 apiece, the Celtics had gone through this a lot of isolation play, just a lot of isos. And they really took a long time. Uh, they spent a long time trying to kind of hero ball their way out of this. And I think another one of the problems that they have is that much like last year, there, there are moments where, hey, look, I'm Jason Tatum. Look at me. I'm an all-star. Kemba Walker. I'm an all-star. I'm a starter. Uh, Gordon Hayward was hot. Uh, Daniel Tice, not normally like Jalen Brown would be in this mix, but you have a lot of guys that can individually get their own shots. Marcus Smart, very confident offensive player. A lot of guys think they can get their, their, their own shots. And so in times where Indiana goes zone, they start switching everything. They kind of challenge you to beat you ISO the Celtics love to kind of fall into that trap because they've got a bunch of isolation players that can go get a shot. And it's the funny thing, like these guys missed tough isolation shots and we kill them for taking tough isolation shots. But if they make these shots, it's like, wow, look at this guy stepping up, you know? So... I still don't like the quality of shots that they got. And they had a 24-second violation at 104 all. That was a real terrible possession. But the the turning point in this game, Victor Oladipo came down and took this ridiculous shot. I mean, pulled 22 seconds on the shot clock. As soon as he came over, you talk about hero ball, it was 107-104, and Oladipo comes down and goes for the kill, and he misses that shot. Oladipo was the guy that brought them back 
the guy who kind of helped them get to that lead, even though it was a Sabonis three-point play that gave them the actual lead. So Oladipo comes down and misses a three that he probably wants back. Then Gordon Hayward goes up for an alley-oop, catches it, and sees Daniel Tice. I don't know if he wasn't confident that he was going to get up there. I don't know what was going through his mind. He kind of said, like, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought maybe I should have shot it as I was passing it. But he gives the ball to Daniel Tice. Tice kind of gives a little shot fake to Kemba, and I think it was Miles Turner kind of completely gets out of the way. And that just became a warm-up three-pointer. So all of a sudden it gets uh, a it gets to be a tie game. Uh, then after a stop, Tice gets that seal. They start moving the ball and they run that play where Tice runs a pick and roll with Jason Tatum. He seals a guy off and Tatum goes in for a dunk. Then they get another stop and this is where defensively they started to pick up their pace. And they won the game with their intense defense and getting stops. They get a stop, then Marcus Smart hits a tough layup. They get another stop uh, on a big defensive possession that forces a tough Oladipo shot when the shot clock is running down. The Celtics, and they said, hey, look, we kind of needed this. In a way, they did. Like I can see the benefits of this game going the way it did because – it was happening again, and they had to pull themselves out of that tailspin against the playoff team, potentially their first-round opponent. So I can see the value in this. I also could see the value in a 25-point win. And like I said before, there's no guarantee if Brad Stevens does the substitution stuff that I said that that's going to be how it goes. But I think that and, – and I do think that in the playoffs that – you don't see the, that level of bench play. Um, the, the leash gets shorter. And so, uh, but in this moment, like, I think you almost kind of have to look at it sometimes as a sort of playoff game. But, so the Celtics survive. Um, some of those shots, like, some of those shots, Kemba hit, took shots in the fourth quarter that I thought were were going to go in and they didn't. Kemba's night is worth more discussion. And let's do that in just a moment. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Kimball Walker did not have a great night. But like I said, I think some of the shots that he, he missed were kind of halfway down. But 11 points, 3 rebounds, couple of assists on 3 of 12 shooting. The slump continues. And it's noticeable that he's not getting certain shots. Part of it could just be um, circumstance that Pacers are a big team and they've got bigs that are mobile and he couldn't turn the corner on these guys. And so 
Kimball Walker, a smaller guard, is going to struggle against size. And that's one thing the Pacers have. But also, he's coming back from the knee thing. And one of the reactions, the conversation that's around the, the team, around the media anyway, where we're trying to figure out it, it's, you know, what's up with his knee? The knee is the thing, right? Before the whole drainage and, you know, all-star and all of that, the knee was, you know, sore, but he was still playing well, getting a burst and all of that stuff. Now, since having it drained, he's struggling to turn a corner. If he had his full burst, would he have gotten past Chris Paul against Oklahoma City and turned a corner and have gotten fouled rather than try to turn back and turn the ball over? How many times in this game where he passed out of sh- shots at the, at the rim or in the paint, how many times would those have been layups? I don't think his knee is hurting necessarily. It might be. I mean, they're they're saying it feels good, and you know, you, you gotta have at some point you have to take them at their word f- to some degree. Obviously, they could be lying, but just the way they're saying it, it I I kind of believe that. Yeah, it, it's not. It doesn't hurt, but that doesn't mean it's a hundred percent. And part of this coronavirus media restriction, I wanted to ask Kemba. And since, you know, we're still getting used to this, I didn't formally request him. I thought he might come out. He wasn't part of the the contingent that came out. The question that I have for Kemba Walker is whether he's pain-free, but is he 100%? The knee might not be sore, but it doesn't mean that it's got 100% of its power. It doesn't mean that he's got 100% of his burst back. And so he feels great, and Brad Stevens says, yeah, he feels great, which is true or can be true, but also not entirely indicative of the whole story. And so what's the real story behind Kemba's knee? I don't know. I'm sure the Celtics aren't going to let on, but we saw him play 30 minutes. He's getting better. His minutes restriction is is slowly lifting. He's not going to play 40 minutes in a game, but they're trying to get him up to that point when the playoffs come around. And Brad Stevens has said, we're going to need him at 100% of his A game when the playoffs come around. So it suggests that he's not at 100% of his A game. Like we can see that he's not at 100% of his A game. But how far away is he? What's really going on in there? Um, There's no, for what we know, structural damage. If there was, I don't think he'd be playing. But at the same time, you can see that he's not 100% who he was. So... I don't know that sitting him is going to be like he. I think he's playing in Milwaukee, and then I don't know if he's going to play against Washington in Boston. Um, so that'll be probably a night off. I think it makes sense. 
you know, sitting them at home is is probably more palatable for the league. And who knows if they're going to be fans there anyway. Um, but it's I think this course that they're taking is intended to get him to 100%, but it's pretty clear that he's not at 100% right now. So when we hear the knee is pain-free, that's one thing, but I just don't think he's at 100%. Um, other random thoughts here from the game. Uh, Ram- Romeo Langford, I just want to mention that, you know, kid who went to Indiana, um, he didn't play well, uh, struggled a bit, missed all four of his shots, including getting a dunk blocked. Uh, he got burned on multiple occasions. He came in and I was like, okay, Brad's going for that Indiana Hoosier magic. And then he immediately got burned back door, uh, missed the three and then didn't get back on defense. I was like, okay, maybe not so much. Who's your magic? <laughs> um, so sorry, Romeo. He's done, he's done a bunch of good things for the Celtics, but this was not a game for Romeo. Um, Ennis Cantor, I kind of talked about him a little bit. Uh, part of that second unit that kind of got hurt. They survived a lot of minutes with him on the floor. Like he didn't kill them and he's been killing them lately. Uh, the numbers aren't particularly great. Um, there are a couple of hilarious moments where he's like wide open Jason Tatum was dribbling down and and Cantor was like in the paint wide open, like looking for the ball and almost incredulous. Like, why am I not getting the ball? It's because there was nobody else in the paint either. And Jason Tatum was going to go in and dunk that. And he did. uh, And that was funny. Uh, There's another possession where he was wide open and they just never got him the ball. Um, The, you know, he he had some moments where he did some decent things, and then he had some moments where it was like, ugh. Um, so I kind of stand by my what I said in yesterday's podcast. If you didn't listen to that, go check it out. That I don't know they they they, they need Ennis Cantor to play a role, and if this is, I mean, honestly, in fourteen and a half minutes, if if you get seven rebounds out of him and he's he's in lineups that like doesn't kill you. This is, that's fine. So uh, I'll leave the Anna Scander stuff at that. Um, it is what it is. And I'm going to leave this podcast at that because there's going to be more to talk about tomorrow and on the Friday podcast as well after the Bucks game. So subscribe if you're not a subscriber and if you are a five-star rating and a good written review, I've, it's come to my attention that I keep saying on iTunes, but the app to rate and, and give a five-star and give a good written review is the Apple Podcast app. Apparently, it's very easy. I've been told it's easy on that. So go ahead and do it on Apple Podcasts, and then that shows up in iTunes when people consume it. So do that, and subscribe, share, tell your friends to listen to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. 